So welcome to the Happy Mindset, where we use the power of language and storytelling to help you find your voice. Today's episode is episode number 54, and today's episode title is called Becoming a Polymath. So today I'm joined by Danny Forrest. Danny is your friendly neighborhood Viking polymath. When he's not madly typing on his computer screen from a co-working space, you can find him exploring the world and making new connections. His current obsessions include skill development and productivity. Danny is an obsessive learner and has created his own plan to learn three new skills a month, which he's been perfecting for the last year and a half. So on today's today's podcast, not polymath, today's podcast, Danny talks about the world of a polymath. He talks about why he decided to learn three new skills a month. More importantly, how did he go about doing that? He talks a little bit about the nine different types of intelligence, and we talk a little bit about Josh Kaufman and the 20 hours rule that he articulated when it comes to skills development. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to head on over to Facebook, you can join the Happy Mindset group there. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, leave a rating and review so more people can find the podcast. And last of all, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And thanks again for listening. Thanks for joining us today, Danny. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Dennis. My pleasure. So my first question is, who are you, Danny? And what are you doing in the world today? Oh, that's a complicated question. Uh, it used to be so easy for me. It used to be that I would say, all right, I'm a, I'm a software engineer. I live in, in Canada, and, and that was kind of it. I married men, and not much more than that. I was really like just, just a normal person, and then uh, something happened to me in October 2017 where, where I started to learn 3D skills a month. So now my life is a lot more complicated. So when people ask me, uh, what do I do? I do many things. So I call myself a polymath and um, I run two businesses. One's in video games and the other one is in education. Uh, so very different, very different things. Uh, but overall, I'm a, I guess I'm a writer. I'm a software engineer and a photographer would be the things that I, I do most professionally. Three core elements. Okay. What spurred your decision to learn three new skills a month in 2017? Yeah, I think it happened. Uh, so I was in Cambodia, living from a co-working, co-living space. And basically, I, I was always programming. And I was quite good at it. And I wasn't learning much anymore. And I felt that my career would stagnate because I just stopped learning as, as fast as I thought I could. So I started doing some research. And I came across a video by Josh Kaufman. Uh, he did a TED, TEDx talk. Uh, that was a while back. That was a maybe four years ago and he was showing how in only 20 hours you can become pretty good at uh, a skill so he went on stage and he played the ukulele and he said that that was only 20 hours of practice and to me what he showed was so amazing I thought he was a professional and I figured you know what if if he can do that I can do that as well so at the time I was working 12 hours a day and it just, cause I was living at a co-living, uh, co-working, co-living space. So it, for me, the commute was just going downstairs <laughs> and that was it. So, uh, I saved a lot of time for that and my wife was away as well. So I had a lot of time to myself. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to slash two hours from, from my work and focus on my self-improvement. So 30 of those minutes were into my physical health and the rest was into skill development. I did some math on that and I had an hour and a half every day to spend on skill learning because of that. And 
Basically, that meant if I spend 15 hours on each skill every month, I have enough time to learn three new skills every month. So the three really comes from that, that little math that I did. And it turned out to be so fantastic that I had to keep going. So I thought I would just do that for a month and it would be great. Uh, and I would stop there, but it was just so good. Uh, I've been doing it ever since. I've learned 53 uh, different skills since then. That's, that's, that's incredible. Like the, I like the way too that you, because some people use the 12 hours as an excuse. They'll say, I've got no more time, but you took the two hours off the 12 hours and you replaced it with something that you prioritized over that. But, mm-hmm. um, like, where did you start? Though? Because, like, my understanding is that to learn skills that rapidly, you do need to have eyes for, like, what you're looking for, what's the most important thing. Like the Jeff Kaufman 20 hours rule. I think it boils down to like knowing like what's most important to learn each step of the way and not giving into being overwhelmed by all the information. So like when you wanted to learn three new skills, you've got all this information out there. How do you start sifting through that yourself? Yeah. So for me, basically the idea was that I wanted to uh, break my mental barrier that I had that I couldn't draw. So that was one of the first skills that I wanted to start with. Because as a logical person, I had done basically just, just programming and software engineering, that kind of stuff. So I was like basically completely left brain. And so for me, doing a right brain thing uh, was very difficult. So I decided, you know what, I, for the first time in my life, I'm going to be consistent. And I'm going to focus on the process more so than the results. So I, uh, I think you were mentioning that just before, just before we, we started recording. It's, it's about a habit. And so the habit is more important than the actual uh, process. The, the process is actually more important than the result. So I decided I'm going to learn three things for drawing because drawing is very big. It's a topic. It's, it's not a skill. So for me, when I talk about drawing, the idea was that I wanted to sketch. I wanted to do line art and coloring and all that using Photoshop. So the reason this made sense for me was because I knew how to use Photoshop already. I had some basic knowledge of that, and I I was very good at moving my mouse. It sounds ridiculous, but it is a subscale of drawing if you're going to be drawing with with mouse. So by being able to be very precise uh, with the mouse and using the keyboard shortcuts on, on Facebook, uh, Facebook, whoo, Photoshop, and, uh, and things like that, it made sense for me to learn that in 15 hours. So when people tell me I want to learn drawing, what I ask them is what subskills in there can you learn? And what do you already know to make this happen? And a lot of times people are not aware of these things. And so when people tell me I want to learn writing, I'm like, yeah, but what? What specifically do you want to learn about writing? Do you want to learn about blogging? What type of blogging? Uh, do you want to learn better grammar? Do you want to learn new words, new vocabulary? And people are just don't break it down enough. And they think that because of that, it takes, I don't know, hundreds of hours to learn a skill. But learn a skill really is the ability to do something well. It's really all it is. It's an action that you can measure how good you are at. So uh, moving the mouse, it's a skill. <laughs> Using precision, moving the mouse, it's actually a skill. Uh, when, when people look at throwing a basketball, 
they think that this is this is the, the smallest component, but it really it really isn't. To become good at throwing basketball, you gotta learn how to jump, you gotta learn how to flex properly, you gotta learn to release and calculate distances, calculate force, and all that kind of, th- of things. Uh, so people who want to learn basketball, shoot basketball, uh, they just try and not and they don't think about the, the movements behind it, the calculation behind it. But the truth is you're going to learn by breaking it down as much as possible. So mm-hmm. that's, that's basically when I started. I, I started breaking down every single skill that uh, I wanted to learn. Was that the first time you saw like a, a benefit to a logical skill in a creative, something that you saw as more creative with drawing, even though programming is creative too. You can look at it that way too. But was that one of the first yeah. times you started seeing logical and creative skills are quite intertwined? Uh, I've never thought about it. So I, I came across recently uh, a, a concept that I actually wasn't aware of with, uh, when I actually started this approach, which was uh, the nine different uh, types of intelligence. So I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with that, but uh, it's, uh, what's his name? Howard Gardner. So he came up with that theory that there's actually nine different types of intelligence. And, and we can see that IQ tests are good to test one thing. And that doesn't mean you're not intelligent if, if you don't succeed at an IQ test. So he has identified nine different types, uh, which includes, uh, I forgot, there's like spatial something, uh, linguistics, uh, creative stuff, logical stuff. And, and for me, when I started learning the, the three skills, I decided that I would break it down into three different types of skills working different parts of my brain so that I wouldn't be completely drained at the end of the day doing all logical stuff or all creative stuff. I would basically do, so the first month I did drawing, which is creative, uh, but also probably spatial. Uh, I did, uh, I learned Spanish, but more specifically the past and present tense, uh, past and future tenses. And um, what was the categorization? using machine learning. This one was more on the logical side. Okay. So whenever I try to learn new skills, I, I try to think about these nine intelligence now. Well, so you look at the type of skill it is. Because you were saying that they re-energize you when you're working creatively in mm-hmm. one aspect and things and logically in another. Like how does, yeah, like, how does that actually work? Like another thing like I'm curious about is that like, a lot of us might have a conditioning that we see like skills development as like a chore and something we have to do and we do it because of like we'll be acknowledged because we've got mm-hmm. some great skills and stuff. But you're talking from a point of view you actually enjoy this. Can you explain a bit more about like what where's the enjoyment coming from for yourself? It's easy. The wins. The sense of progress right away. Like I do it in the morning and the first thing that I do, I win. <laughs> I practice the ukulele, I practice a new chord. After practicing for a while, it works. I, I practiced salsa dancing for a month and I was actually learning new moves every single session. And it's just so motivating. Uh, the dopamine rush that I get from just winning right at the start of the day basically sets my day uh, for, for maximum success. I've got so much energy after. Now, what do you think about like incremental gains and exponential growth? Where do you see that come into play, the, like the inter- intersection between the two? 
can you can you go more more in detail? So like I think from my experience is that sometimes you'll go through like a dip. So like you'll get incremental gains and then after a while you kind of like plateau. But then yeah. when you keep persisting because you you're focused on the process, and again you'll reach another kind of you'll up level. But it's a, it's hard to quantify. Um, have you had that kind of experience where like you've just kind of been going through the motions? You're like you're getting some gains, but then you kind of dip. But then all of a sudden everything clicks again, and you go on to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after 15 hours, I, I I found that that's basically where the dip happens. Okay. So that's that's kind of like where where I typically stop for a skill. After 15 hours, I start I stop kind of at the dip. But the beauty of this is that in high, like if, if you go back to that skill after, uh, going out of the dip actually happens easier because you've got a new fresh perspective uh, on, that, on that skill. So when you're too deep down on one specific thing, that's when the dip happens because you lose the perspective on how you can make it better. So there have been times where I learned video production, for example, I practiced for, for 15 hours and I waited two months to come back to it and I learned so much more. I was basically just out of the dip almost immediately. Okay, so I think I've done that before as well actually. You, I was doing programming for quite a bit and then went writing for a bit and I found that like when I came back to programming again, I had a little bit better knowledge than I had when I left it. But yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, Sometimes yeah it's exactly. It's just the, the new perspective that, that you get from not being so deep down into it. Yeah. So like what you've done, you've created a Skill-Up Academy. What's Skill-Up Academy all about? What motivated you to create it? Yeah, basically Skill-Up Academy came from uh, me realizing that there are better ways to learn, better ways than what's out there, better ways than what school is teaching us for, for the most part, better ways than online courses. When I was reading the stats on how uh, what's the completion rate on online courses? It's disastrous. Like the average is 7% completion rate. Why do you think that is? Uh, it's, it's complicated, but I think, I think the reason is uh, people nowadays like to get their information quickly and move away, which is fine. And so that's why I actually like Skillshare. Skillshare is, is one that I actually like because it's, it's micro learning and people pick and choose what they actually want to learn. So people, it's hard for educators to put up a course that's fully relevant the whole way for the whole audience. So nowadays people, because these are open, the, most of these courses are open. So you go, you take the lessons you want to learn and then you leave but you pay for the whole lesson. So you're, st you're still stuck with full amount, even though you're consuming only a small part of it. And, but on top of that, so Skill Up Academy, I didn't want to build a vast library of, of resources because there's incredible amounts of resources on any skill that you can get for, for free or through books or through uh, courses all across the internet. But the problem is, where do you find those? How do you know which ones apply to you? And there's just nothing out there. Everyone starts creating new online platforms with new content, but the content is already there. You get the best uh, courses from Stanford on Coursera or on Udemy. They're all free. 
out there. You can just get them. So there's no point building new content. What we need is an engine that gives you the content that you need based on what you learned before, based on what you're looking to learn, and based on how you learn. Because everyone learns differently. So you're watching the same course that, that I watch, you won't get the same results out of it. Uh, so with Skill Up Academy, we're hoping that we're gonna be able to bring you exactly the content that you need and um, schedule it and measure it in a way that works for you. Okay. Do you see a, a difference between like passive learning and active learning? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, active learning for sure is, is uh, uh, you retain a lot more. Uh, so with passive learning, if we go through uh, a lecture or, or reading, you basically retain five to 10% of the information that's coming in. So anyone listening right now, uh, if they're not taking notes, they will retain about 5% of what we're talking about here. So this is very low, uh, obviously. It's better than nothing, right? It's better than nothing. But uh, with active learning, you can retain up to, up to, I think it was 40% if you put it in practice. And if you practice with groups, that increases as well because you get to interact with other people that share different ideas. And even better, in anything that you, um, that you want to learn, basically teach it to people and you're going to retain 90% of it. So on top of just being active in, in your learning, uh, just be aware that if, if you do teach it to someone else, you're, to someone else, you're going to retain up to 90%. Yeah, that's cool. I, I do see like a, I think I see that play out quite a lot in languages. Like when you hear people say I'm not a language person, it's because I don't need to see the distinction between active and passive learning. A lot of people wait until they're good enough to speak and they don't speak and it's passive. It's completely passive. Um, yeah, completely. Language learning. I, I, when I went to Spain, so I lived in Spain for, for a bit and just before I was, I was in Cambodia and that's when I was studying past and present and I arrived in Spain and I had never spoken Spanish or, or very, very minimally. And I arrived there and, and I was speaking to uh, the guy at the co-working space and he was like, oh, how long have you been talking, speaking in Spanish? I was like, two days. It's like, whoa, like it, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter to me that I was making mistakes. It's by making mistakes that you actually learn. So even though like my pronunciation was not right, I got the message out there. And even though like I was searching for my words, it didn't matter. It's all about like practicing for sure, especially language. Yeah, it's top of mind in more when you practice more. Was there any reason why you chose past and future? Is yeah. Yeah. So basically the idea was that uh, I, I knew I would potentially go to Spain. And if I wanted to get a job, so as a software engineer, what we do uh, typically is we have stand-up meetings every morning, which is about uh, one minute per, per member. And you basically say uh, what you did yesterday, so past, yeah. what you're doing today, and I knew present already, and what you're going to do, no, wait, what you did yesterday and what you're going to do today. And that's it. And so I said, you know what, if I learn how to uh, speak in the, in the past and the future, then maybe I could get hired. That's it. Yeah. And then learn some technology terms and you're on the pigs back. You know? yeah. yeah, I had to learn a bunch of uh, engineering terms. That, that was the hard part. I think that was harder than, uh, than the tenses. 
Okay, how did you, okay, in what way? Was it uh, retaining it, memorizing them, or pronunciation? Or? Yeah, memorizing. I, um, so people think that, I, I, do, I do learn skills really fast, but the reason is not because I have incredible memory. In fact, I, I have, a, I, I would say I have a, a normal or, or almost deficient uh, short-term memory. And uh, so, yeah, the memorization for me is, is hard. It's hard for me to move it from, from short-term to, to long-term. Okay, so, so like if you're saying that like your memory is just average at best, What's your key differentiator then, do you think? Like, what is, why can you learn skills so rapidly when you're not claiming to have a great memory? Uh, the way I do it, the, the way I think about how to break it down into smaller components. Smaller components are easier to train than, uh, to train for than, than bigger components. But, uh, but also that, that retention thing that I mentioned, when I try to learn something, I, I try to think about it in a way on how I could teach it. And I do that through uh, my writing on Medium. And recently I've started doing that through my videos for Skill Up Academy. So by, by learning in a way that I would teach it, I retain a lot more. But outside of that, uh, one of the key techniques that, that I'm practicing is spaced repetition. You know about that? Sure, Dave. Can you expand a bit more on that spaced repetition? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Uh, people, when they're trying to learn things, sometimes they, uh, they try to repeat every day, recall every day, but uh, the truth is you actually don't even need to. So one of the techniques in space repetition is to recall pretty much after you learned it. So let's say you're listening to this, and after the recording, you take notes of everything you can recall, everything you can remember from what we talked about. Then uh, you recall again, 24 hours after 24 hours and then you don't need to recall every day after you can recall again after uh, seven days so a week and then basically your forgetting curve keeps jumping back so your retention returns back to 80% or more uh, and then after a week you do it again for uh, after a month okay. and then once you're there six months a year you basically know almost for life. It's like riding a bicycle, right? You, uh, you don't need to practice every day. You've practiced for a long time. You've recalled a few times a year. Uh, we're in Canada, so you don't bike in, you don't bike in winter. So, so you have to take a, a four to six month break. But then once you start again, it's as if you never stop. Uh, the Space repetition is so powerful. So, so powerful. They do have that like an Anki. Do you know Anki for... Flashcard yeah. system, they have that version of, I think it's like if you get it right, it won't test you for another seven days. If you get it wrong, you'll, something like that, you get it wrong, it'll test you tomorrow. Yeah, um, Anki like, is amazing. And it, if you use language, language learning apps like Duolingo, they actually have that built in without, without you knowing. So yeah. it, if you guys use Duolingo and you see after a while that your progress is going down, it's because your retention is actually going down. You actually have to uh, practice again. So how about self-awareness? Do you think self-awareness is important when it comes to learning new skills? Yeah, definitely. But definitely. what way has it kind of helped you? Uh, yeah, so a lot of people don't really reflect on, on, their, on what they're doing. So I reflect daily on the things that I'm doing. I think about 
what I did right, what I did wrong, how can I improve? And I do that for the skills and I do that also for just anything in my life. I do the same weekly and I do the same monthly, do the same yearly. So a lot of people wait for, for the new year to, to do their, their whole reflection, but really it's, it's so much better to do it like on a, on a, on a daily basis. Does that keep, does that help you to like keep your eye on what's actually meaningful in your life? Cause I know from my own experience that sometimes you can get caught up in the details and you're learning new stuff all the time and you actually forget that you're leaving life pass you by a little bit. Does that practice help you or is, is it something else you do to like avoid like just burnout and losing focus on the bigger picture? Yeah, I, I lose focus on the bigger picture actually quite frequently. Uh, I, th- I think in a way that's kind of like, how my personality works. I, uh, I love to start new things. I, I feel like I'm hyperactive in starting different projects. I've got so many ideas and I, I end up implementing a lot of them. And basically every month I realize, shit, I'm doing too much again. And that's through my, my monthly reflection that I realize that, okay, this is what the, I have a, I have a spreadsheet of all the projects I'm involved with and, how important they are, um, how much time they take me, how much value they bring to me, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And so I reflect back on that, and, and I decide what do I do going forward. Well, so you actually have a metric of how much value it brings to you as well. So like you're, you're focusing on things that you know up front that are valuable to you. Yeah, and like I, tr- I try to get things that have the highest value for, for me or for my business, uh, that takes me the least amount of time, right? Okay. okay. How do you think about writing as well? I want to get some of your thoughts on writing because um, I've kind of noticed just recently, especially that when you're in the, the education system, you write a lot for the teacher and you write for the examiner. That's what you're pretty much writing for in English. But mm-hmm. I realized that when you start thinking it more in terms of what am I getting out of this? As in like, why am I sitting down to write each day? For me, it's like, I'm refining my thoughts more. I'm getting more clear in who I am and getting more clear on like my values. And I blog as well because maybe some other person might read it and they might get some value from that. But it needs to predominantly come from what am I getting out of doing this because I'm the person doing this every day. So like, what are your thoughts around writing? How do you think about writing? Because you're uh, a top writer on Medium and you consistently write. Yeah, that, that's the key, consistency. I've... Uh... For me, it was just a skill I wanted to learn. That I I wasn't I wasn't good at writing in English. My first language is French, and so for me, it was just it's an important skill. That, that's the way I see it. It's such an important skill in life that it's one of the biggest way we communicate through writing. We write emails, we write uh, messages, we write all these things. So improving that basically meant improving my whole life. And when people see it from that perspective, it's actually beneficial for, for themselves and for other people. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a different mindset. It's a different way. And like, I didn't think about, for me, it was just, it was, again, it was about the process. It was about, I want to improve and I'm going to write every single day for 40 minutes and I'm going to publish no matter what. And that gave me incredible accountability. Uh, I had to write things that were pretty decent because I was publishing. Uh, <laughs> and I was doing that consistently for a month. And it turns out that it went so well that I had to keep going. And, and today, really, the reason I write is 
because people tell me and it helps them. I help people. It was an incredible feeling. The first time you hear that, you write an article and someone writes back to you and they're like, you changed my life. Like, thanks to you, I'm going to start doing this, this, this. It's time to change my life. It's like, whoa, I did that? Like, I'm, 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 just, I'm just a guy. Like, I'm, I'm no one special. What, why, why do you think, wow, this is incredible? Uh, so the reason I write nowadays is, is just because I do impact people's lives and they tell me and there's nothing that makes me more happy than making other people happy. Mm. Yeah, it's a weird word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, actually, what, what does a happy life look like for you? One that where you find meaning, what, what does it look like to you? For me, it's really about when, um, when, when there's no more concept of work and life, and the two are basically combined. And people talk about work-life balance a lot, uh, and really, for me, there's no such thing. For me, currently, there's no work-life balance. Currently, for me, both are life. And I find that amazing. So I do, I do, I don't like the word working because it feels like it's something you don't want to do. I, I typically, uh, I typically say productive activities mm-hmm. instead of working. It's things that works toward, uh, that work towards a goal. Uh, so it's not work for me. So everything that I do is something that I want to do. And for me, that's, that's what brings me the most happiness. Just, just, doing things that uh, I want to do that helps other people. That's good. That's how you look at it. Yeah. Do, you, do you think everybody could be a polymath? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. You, you have to see the value in it. To, and, and so I recently wrote about the differences between a polymath, a jack of all trades, and a master. And there's no right or wrong. All three of them are completely fine. All three of them, you can succeed in life and, and basically just combine work-life balance through all three of them. So uh, I, I, guess, I guess everyone technically can uh, with a mindset, mindset shift. Mm. Yeah. I think I think some of the obstacles too with society is so quick to put us into boxes of like specializations, and I know from my kind of path, I've shifted through different things all the time, and it feels like I'm not making any progress here. And then, but then I see that I'm looking at things in different ways because it's it's my strength. Yet it's also my stumbling block sometimes too. I feel of like because the world tends to look at specialists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and see their value a lot quicker than somebody who has a lot of knowledge in a lot of different fields. And I think the onus is on that person to figure out then where does the fields interconnect and where do I actually find my value here? It's a mm-hmm. bit more of a, I suppose a bit of a messy process, but then you do navigate the chaos and make some order from it. And I guess. I think. Yeah, that's the hard part. Yeah. That's that's hard. Hard. But it's also the, I suppose the mindset shift, it's also the adventurous and, and, uh, the rewarding part as well if you want to look at it that way that's really yeah it really is it really is rewarding I'll, yeah do you have any book that you'd recommend for somebody who's like interested in what you're talking about and interested in looking at education in a different way and learning mm, 
it's not really directly related to to that stuff, but uh, what I love to read, what I almost exclusively read is is biographies. What is that? Hmm. What is that? It's it's so interesting to hear about people that you think have everything figured out, and, and in reality, they they don't. They uh, struggle just as much as you and I, and, and we place them on a different level when in reality, they're just people. They're just like us. And it's so inspiring to hear that they went through tougher stuff than I've been through, and they still made it. Uh, there's an incredible book, uh, Shoe Dog, by uh, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Mm. Uh, it's incredible the amount of stuff that happened to him. Richard Branson, uh, Leonardo da Vinci as well. In- incredible biography by um, Walter Isaacson. I-, I just love biography so much. Yeah, me too. So yeah, yeah, it's good Steve Jobs one and Elon Musk one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, yeah, it gives you insight into like, a lot of times their greatness is born out of like pain and stuff. So like you don't really see that. Completely. Yeah. Elon Musk was actually not at all a star student, which like pe- people think about Elon Musk and they think he's a genius. And, and I mean, school doesn't mean you're, you're being good in school doesn't mean you're a genius necessarily, but people, people think that these people actually were probably really good in school, but he wasn't. I, I wasn't good in school, but here I am today learning a bunch of different skills. Uh, so Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, is there any final message you want to leave us with? Uh, yeah, sure, guys. Uh, <laughs> learning new skills is not, is not as hard as you think it is. So the most important part really is about when you do get started, before you even get started, try to break it down as much as you can and be aware of the things that you already know and see how you can use that to learn that skill better. So break it down. Uh, and focus on the process more than the actual results. So be consistent and make it a habit. It's actually not as hard as you think it is. Great advice. How would we find you online? Where would we find you? Uh, many places. Uh, let's see. Uh, what am I sharing here? You can easily find me on, um, on dannyforrest.com. That'd be that'd be a good way on LinkedIn. Obviously, uh, I have I have a fairly easy one on LinkedIn. I think it's Danny Forest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Twitter. So Danny underscore Forest. And yeah, I guess these are the two easiest ways. Three easiest right. ways. Cool. I'll put some I'll put some links in the notes as well for people to click into if they're interested. All okay. right. Thanks for thanks for joining us today, Danny, and telling us telling us more about the life of a polymath, different skills you've learned bit of self-awareness as well that's helped you and uh yeah it's been very very uh, enlightening and very good to hear like how you've gone about doing this thanks uh, again for sharing that with us. yeah thank you so, so until next time have fun and enjoy the process <laughs>